This reading is presented with permission from Scholastic. Otto's dog walking business has had a few missteps, but he seems to be having some creative ideas along the way to make some more money. Meanwhile, Lexi's business seems to be having a little bit of problems. Let's continue listening to chapters 15 and 16 and see if we can find out a little bit more what's going on. Chapter 15, Wednesday, March 14th. Money saved, $86.06. The next day, I picked up Duchess, a small light brown puggle with deep wrinkles in her forehead and drooping ears. Puggles are crosses between pugs and beagles, so they aren't big. She was a big time sniffer though. For some dogs, the world was nothing but a million wonderful scents. You would think a sidewalk would smell like a sidewalk, but then you're not a dog. Smelling sorts of dogs like to smell everything, so it was hard to get Duchess going in the right direction. Come on, Duchess, I begged. This way. Duchess ignored me and smelled a lamppost. Duchess, I wailed. We've got money waiting. Finally, we got to the street corner a few blocks away, although it took forever to get there. Thankfully, Fisher and about 10 of his friends were still waiting. When they saw me, they cheered. I waved. If they brought $3 and they each walked Duchess, well, I didn't have to do the math to know I'd be sitting on a big pile of money. One at a time, I shouted, handing the leash to some boy with snot all over his face. You'll each get a turn. I lay down against the tree. The day was warm. The shade felt good. Walk for three minutes, then pass Duchess to the next kid. Just don't let go of the leash, I muttered. It was really peaceful under that tree. A bit too peaceful, it seems, because the next thing I knew, someone was kicking my leg. What? Huh? Done already? I mumbled, surprised. Standing above me was a lady probably someone's mother wearing an angry frown. She handed me Duchess's leash and shook her finger at me. Her face was flushed. What do you think you're doing? She screeched. Dog walking, I said. She yelled at me about stealing money from little kids. I tried to explain that I didn't steal anything. That it was all the law of supply and demand and they had a demand and I was supplying but the lady didn't want to hear any of it. She must not have studied economics in school. She made me return all the money the kids to the kids and told me if she saw me charging kids again, she would call my parents. I couldn't let that happen. Mom would just say I was irresponsible, but I wasn't. I was trying. It's not just as easy as being responsible as you think. And I needed to earn money quickly. I would have to explain that to the woman. But she was already stomping away, leading the kids across the street. A bunch of them looked back at me, disappointed. The lady was probably a cat person.
person. Back home, Lexi still tutored. I don't know how anyone could stand being around schoolwork for so many hours a day. If it was me, my brain would have exploded. As I passed Lexi's room, her door opened and her friend Sophie walked out. They didn't notice me. I stopped in the hallway, my hand on my doorknob. I kept silent. Thanks, Lexi, said Sophie. Sorry I can't pay you or anything. That's okay, said Lexi. That's what friends are for. It's just that I'm saving my money to buy those shoes I was telling you about. Don't worry about it. Anna isn't paying either. Same time tomorrow? You bet. As I turned my doorknob to go into my room, it squeaked just loudly enough for Lexi to notice. What are you looking at, baby brother? She snapped. I'm not a baby. Are you spying? She snarled. I'm just standing here. It's a free country and a free hallway and apparently free tutoring. It's none of your business what I'm doing, she barked. It's a shame people can't actually pay you. I removed a wad of cash from my pocket. I wonder how much money I made today. I slowly counted out the bills. Five dollars, ten dollars. Don't know anything. I know we're getting a dog, getting a cat. A dog. Just then, the doorbell rang. Lexi shook her head. Whatever, she mumbled. She headed downstairs to answer the door. Another free lesson? I called behind her. Have fun. I'll be throwing all my money on my bed and rolling in it. Baby brother, yelled Lexi. I'm not a baby. Sticks and stones break bones, but names don't. I bet half of her customers weren't paying. I couldn't help but smile. Her great tutoring plan wasn't so great after all. She knows nothing in life is free, especially pets. She should create a glittery chart how long it takes to earn $500 when you don't charge anyone money. The answer was forever. Even me, the non-math genius, knew that. I went to my room, which was now my business office. All mega companies needed offices. I had my shoebox to keep my money in. I had my notebook to write down my appointments. I had three pencils to write with, and only two of them needed to be sharpened. I had a box of sam a box of sandwich bags and a brown paper bag to keep the dog poop in. After all, the you ought to call auto dog walking service was about cleanliness. I had a calendar, although it was last year's. Still Tuesday is a Tuesday, right? It's not like the days change names every year. I wrote down in my notebook, pay mom back for three pencils, sandwich bags, and paper bags, $8. I threw the money I'd collected that day on my bed. I greedily counted it, $22.52. I thought I should have more money, though. I had absolutely no idea where the 52 cents came from. I had been given a $1 tip by Mr. Rufus, but I must have given the wrong change back to Miss Greeley, or maybe I charged her the wrong amount. In fact, I think I'd been making money mistakes every day. I called Malcolm to tell him how well things were going, not including the math problems, or my falling asleep, or accidentally showing up late for every appointment that day, but it wasn't my fault. My watch broke two weeks ago. My next appointment is at 3.30 tomorrow, I told him, looking at a note I squinted to read. I was pretty sure it said 3.30. Yes, it said 3.30, definitely. Probably, I groaned. 
What was that? I asked Malcolm. Nothing, I said quickly. Things couldn't be going better. It sounded like you groaned. Have you finished those math worksheets yet? Almost, I answered, although I didn't remember getting any math worksheets. So almost can mean just about anything. When mom asked if my room was clean or if I was ready for bed or if I'd done a chore, I'd say almost. Who could argue with that? Things are perfect, I boasted to Malcolm, my fingers crossed. I looked at another appointment scribble. The pencil tip had broken while I wrote down that address, so it was a little messy. I wasn't sure if I wrote down 426 Pine Drive or 928 Pline Avenue. Pine? Pline? Those are stupid street names anyway. They should name roads with names like Amazing Auto Drive, the unbelievably awesome Auto Avenue, and the super terrific Auto Highway. Maybe I could get paid for naming streets. I'd do it for a one-time fee of $500. That would have been a pretty excellent deal if you ask me. After I hung up with Malcolm, I stayed up kind of late looking over my notes and trying to read them. I was going to be on time tomorrow for my appointments. I was going to try really hard to be extra responsible. After all, I was the new responsible auto. Chapter 16, Thursday, March 15th through Friday, March 16th. Money saved, $110.31. I sat in the school lunchroom with Malcolm eating pizza. Unfortunately, school had the worst pizza in the history of pizza. It looked good, smelled edible. I'd buy the pizza thinking, how bad could it really be? And every time it still tasted spine-chillingly lousy. It didn't taste as bad as horseradish, but it was a close runner-up. So I gnawed on the burnt, rubbery crust with tire-tasting sauce and runny, nauseating cheese, telling Malcolm my problems. No one wants every street named Otto, he said. Forget the street naming part. That wasn't really the point. I tried to saw my teeth through the pizza crust. I think I might have chipped a tooth. I continued admitting my problems. It felt good to tell the truth. I can't keep track of all my appointments. The you ought to call auto dog walking services having growing pains like the Incredible Hulk. Malcolm stared at me confused. The Hulk is a dweeby science guy who turns into a giant monster but is still wearing the same pants. I mean, isn't your underwear riding up your butt when you're the Hulk? I know he's particularly invulnerable and all, but that's got to hurt. I hate that. Hulk doesn't get hurt when you shoot him with like a rocket missile, so I doubt tight underwear is going to be an issue in the pain department. But that's beside the point. You said last night everything was great, began Malcolm. That was before I spent three hours trying to figure out what I wrote. Is there even a Pline Avenue? I don't think so. Well, that solves one problem, I said relieved. You just need to be responsible, said Malcolm. There was that word again. I am, I insisted. You need to keep a schedule. Organize your finances. It's not that hard. Easy for you to say. I pushed away my pizza. I needed my magician handsaw to finish it. I can't track my appointments, even if I had the rest of my natural-born life to do it. Does that mean you can track it once you're a vampire? I've been wondering the same thing. We both looked at each other for a few seconds thinking, but we didn't come up with an answer. Anyway, I said, keeping track of time and money isn't easy. For you, he scoffed. You think you could do better? What do you think? Of course he could do better. Malcolm was practically a math genius. He won the math lead of the year in fifth grade. He received a trophy and everything. 
If you don't have mathletics in your school, you probably don't know what I'm talking about. It's sort of like a spelling bee, but for math. You stand in a line and you answer math questions. Everyone in school participates. I guess the math people were jealous of the spelling bee people, so they invented mathletics. Other departments were thinking of doing the same thing. I heard rumors that there might be a geography contest called Geographobia and a history contest called History Olympics. This school might also begin a sports contest with running and swimming and gymnastics, but I have no idea what they would call that. So, I ask, are you going to help me get organized? Malcolm laughed, but this was no laughing matter. I'm serious, are you? Malcolm bit into his chocolate brownie dessert. He chewed very slowly. I stared at him, waiting for an answer. He continued to chew. Hurry up and swallow already. Finally, he gulped down the food and said, maybe. How much are you going to pay me? I'm saving for a dog, I protested. You're my best friend. You should pay me. Why would I pay you? Fine, you shouldn't. Bad idea, I admitted. But I can't pay you. I need to save every cent. You won't be making any sense unless you're organized. Well, that made sense. But giving Malcolm part of my hard-earned income would make it that much harder to win. Take it or leave it. I'm fine either way. Malcolm bit off another piece of brownie and sat back in his chair as if he didn't have a care in the world. Remember when I mentioned the art of negotiating? You should always act like you don't care. That gives the upper hand. I knew Malcolm was just pretending to be uninterested to get more money, but I was too smart for him. I could play that game too. I'll leave it then, I said, shrugging. Great. Want to go play soccer today? Suggested Malcolm. Wait, I said, hold on. We're still negotiating. No, you said you would leave it. That was negotiating. Obviously, Malcolm wasn't as shrewd a businessman as I thought. How much do you want? 20%. 20%? I wailed. I can't give you half my money. That's not half. That's one-fifth. You really are horrible at math, aren't you? Still, giving one-fifth of something is better than getting all of nothing. I held out my hand. It's a deal. We shook on it. But I'm in charge. This is my business. It's not you ought to call Otto and Malcolm's dog walking service. It's you ought to call Otto's dog walking service. I think you ought to call Otto the mashed potato brain bonehead has a nice ring to it. Meatloaf breath. Snot-nosed weasel breeder. Cafeteria pizza lover. Malcolm stopped and looked at my mangled half-chewed pizza slice. Good one. I think you got me that time. After lunch, we went to social studies class. I was just getting settled in my seat when Miss Swift cleared her throat. Put your books away and take out your pencils, she announced, and she began passing out tests. A surprise quiz, I whispered to Malcolm. Malcolm looked at me as if I was batty. No surprise. Aren't you ready for it? Almost. Now that I thought about it, I vaguely remembered something about a test today on the Civil War, I think. Maybe. Abraham Lincoln was our president back then. The North fought the South. The rest was a blur. I don't think I did very well. But I couldn't flunk or I'd be losing this war before I saved practically anything, just when things were looking better, too. How'd you do? Malcolm asked as we handed back our papers. Did Abraham Lincoln invent the top hat? I asked. Malcolm shook his head. So I got at least one question wrong. Malcolm came to my house after dinner. He brought an appointment book that his dad didn't need. 
He carefully rewrote the addresses and appointment times for every customer in it. When he couldn't read what I wrote, he found the person's phone number and called to confirm. He even changed a couple of appointments that accidentally double booked. The next best thing to being responsible by yourself is having someone be responsible for you. So things were going great. Lexi's snarky smiles hadn't been seen in days, and my money was ready to grow into incredible Hulk-like proportions without the underwear issues. Nothing could go wrong now. That night, as I sat at the table waiting for mom to bring dinner over, I could practically smell my own dog leaping beside me, begging for scraps, eager to be part of our family. Although, actually, that odor was my own hands from walking dogs all afternoon. It was a great smell, but I washed my hands before mom yelled at me. Otto, hang up your jacket! Mom screamed from the hallway. She could always find something to yell at me about, though. The next day, I showed up for all my dog walking appointments on time, thanks to Malcolm's expert scheduling skills. But to be perfectly honest, dog walking was still harder than I thought it would be. None of the dogs listened to me. They would go left when I wanted to go right, or backwards when I wanted to go forwards, or slow when I wanted to go fast. They were walking me more than I was walking them. One dog, Milo, didn't want to move at all and refused to budge even after I begged him for 10 minutes. I carried Milo most of the way. I figured that was okay because I promised to walk dogs, but I didn't promise that the dog would be the one doing the walking. Luckily, Milo was a toy poodle. That's a small dog. You wouldn't think walking dogs would be tiring, but it is. Even when you're not carrying them, my feet hurt. My legs ached. So I tried walking Grisella, the American foxhound, while riding my skateboard. Foxhounds are fast. So I thought it was a great idea and pretty fun, too. Except when she ran off the sidewalk and my skateboard skidded after her and I wiped out, which happened every seven seconds. Don't turn, wipe out. Hold on, wipe out. No, not the tree. So I gave up that idea. I told mom she needed to buy more bandages. I also asked if she minded if I walked dogs on her treadmill. I was with Chucky, the chihuahua at the time. Yes, I mind, she insisted. It's not like you ever use it. I use it. She really didn't. It might have been for the best, though. Chucky had serious bathroom issues. He must have peed every three minutes. It would have created a real mess on Mom's treadmill. To make things worse, he kept trying to pee on people. Maybe he thought people looked like fire hydrants. It's really awkward apologizing to a jogger for being peed on. It's even harder apologizing to one jogger while your dog is trying to pee on a different jogger at the same time. I stopped, clutching Chucky's leash tightly. A cat crossed our path, a black cat too. Chucky immediately growled and probably would have chased it if it hadn't been going to the bathroom. They say if a black cat crosses your path, bad things will happen. I hope not. Five years ago, I broke a mirror. I heard if you break a mirror, you get seven years of bad luck. I still had two years to go. So if you added in a black cat, the odds were stacked against me. Come on, Chucky, let's jog, I shouted after he had done his business. We broke into a light trot. I wanted to get away from that cat as fast as I could. But maybe that cat's good luck. 
because when I arrived home, I was almost barreled over by Caitlin Singer stomping down the stairs. She was in Lexi's Cat and was in the school play the year before. She starred as Annie Oakley, and I'm pretty sure she was the best singer in school, but her voice sounded gruff and angry on the staircase, not melodic like it did on stage. Thanks a lot, she howled, her face flush red as if she'd been crying. I'm sorry, stammered Lexi, hurrying down the steps after Caitlin. Lexi's face looked red, too. Maybe they both had been crying. I I really am. Not everyone can be as smart as you, snipped Caitlin. I'm not stupid. I didn't say you were stupid. I I I said your answer was stupid. It's the same thing. Not technically. You just give stupid answers sometimes, said Lexi. Caitlin bolted to the doorway. That's not what I meant. Caitlin opened the door. Are we still friends? Never came the angry retort, slammed, followed by a door slam. I stood there just at the edge of the stairs. What are you looking at? Lexi demanded, her red bloodshot eyes staring darts into me. It's looking like I'm getting a dog, I started to say, but I only got as far as it's looking and then swallowed the rest. Lexi's face was so red, her eyes so filled with tears, that I didn't think I needed to say anything to make her feel any worse than she did. Lexi sighed, dropped her shoulders, and walked past me and up to her room without even saying a word. There was nothing smug about her expression just then. I felt sorry for her. I truly did. But I shook off the feeling. You can't get soft when you're in the middle of a war. Getting soft is how you lose. And I was going to win.